0: Firstly, I want to first dedicate this year uh, to um, my former mother-in-law, Yutabas Rav Yosef, and that the year should be the source of the year should open a new summer from the source of the year. What I'd like to talk about tonight. <coughs> is uh, something which is, um, I feel, very fascinating. Because there is an entire theoretical structure to Tu What is Tu And it has an entire understanding of Tu which is, uh, it's called a theoretical structure. But there are certain events which have happened in Shvat. Last week, the week before, after the Shvat, <coughs> which is um, uh, outstanding in terms of the whole concept of a messianic process. And what I did, I decided to do, is I would combine those two events with tuba shvat. So you can actually see what tuba shvat is, theoretically, and what its manifestation is in terms of that it's literally happening in front of us. That's what I want to do tonight. The two events that I refer to, is the uh, incredible event of Mike Pence, the Vice President of the United States, giving a shia, a (laughs) shia, speaking in front of the Knesset, you know. Uh, But that has enormous repercussions, which, you know, as you you know, it was an incredible speech. But what's more credible is the meaning in terms of the messianic process. The second thing I want to speak about is also an event that happened after Rosh Hashem and that is Netanyahu's visit, Bibi Netanyahu's visit to India. And I want to deal with who is India, what is India, And what, why was the reception that he received such an incredible reception? That's what I want to talk about also. So I have this three-part, uh, sec- uh, three-part uh, sections. where um, like I said, you know. Uh, and I've, I'm hoping it'll give you a really a great picture of the meaning of Tubishwa and how it's literally happening in front of our eyes. And anyway, that's that's uh, what I'm about. What I'm going to speak. So if you came to hear about Tuvshva, you'll get that. But if you also want to hear about the 21st century, you get to get that too, in combination. So uh, I think you'll really be happy that you came. <clears throat> Mike Pence, who's the Vice President of the United States, of course, you know, uh, he gave in a really, in many ways, uh, an astounding uh, speech to the Knesset, and uh, just, just based on its own idea, the speech itself, it was remarkable, you know, for a man of his stature, Vice President of the United States, you know, to talk the way he did about Jews, about Israel, about the history of the Jews, it's just remarkable to hear that because it's never been heard before, especially by the United States, you know, uh, and if you compare the previous presidents, it, it, you know, they, they, they cannot even rise uh, an iota to what Pence said. But what Pence said is even more remarkable because in many ways uh, it is a tremendous uh, um, a progression of the whole concept of the 21st century, which uh, what I talked about uh, two weeks ago, So in many ways, this is uh, an add-on, addendum to that shia. How do we understand that speech? Uh, Let's go back. And I've spoken about this, but I need to say these (coughs) things again, because they're critical to give you a framework, again, to understand. The Torah, uh, we know that what the Torah says is the concept of a man called Esau. Now there's a brother, Yaakov, of course, Yaakov Avinu. Esau is his brother. And we know what's interesting about all of that (coughs) is that Esau really had a job. Actually, what I really, uh, I I brought to speak with me, believe it or not, because I am going to comment on it. Uh, but what is incredible about this speech and I really wanted to say that first is the last thing that he said <clears throat> and most people it will just gloss over it but it has unbelievable spiritual uh, in, uh, impact here's what he said <clears throat> with an unshakable bond between our people, means the United States, and our shared uh, commitment to freedom, I say from my heart, that's a very important word, my heart. Now, I'm not saying it for political considerations. I'm telling you what I feel. Now, here goes, this stuff is just beyond belief. May God bless the Jewish people, one. Then he said, may God bless the state of Israel, that's two and all who call these lands their home. And may God continue to bless the United States of America. That's what he says. I mean, a statement like that is, is just beyond belief. Now, here's the here's. But there, there is something odd here. That's what you have to notice. He, should, he really should have said, may God bless the state of Israel. Because that's what he's talking He's talking for the state of Israel, the Knesset, which obviously is the official government. And he should have just said that. What's well, this, may God bless the Jewish people? Because the Jewish people in the state of Israel are two different things. The Jewish people are people that have gone through thousands of years without the state of Israel. You know? The Jewish people as an entity on themselves, which called I-Yisrael, or Knesset Israel. Knesset Israel, <clears throat> in many ways, um, it's not the state of Israel because he's referred to the political state called Israel now. So therefore, why is he saying both things? He should just say, may God bless state of Israel and that's politically correct um, not really but certainly in, in terms of his being in the United States and that's why that's really what I want to deal with what does that mean <clears throat> Mauritian, the first man, he has a job to do. What is the job of Mauritian? He has to bring God back into the world. We know that thing is called Tikkun. Mauritian, although he's not Jewish, is called a masake, or in Hebrew, a He rectifies and corrects creation. He's the first guy to have that job because he was not Jewish, because the original intent of God was not to give it to Jews. He wanted all mankind to be part of the tikkun process. Tikum means rectification, correction, restoration. How do he want to understand it? That's what tikkun means, right? So Rishon is the first in. Ashkenazi pronunciation. That's who he is. OK. And that's what God wanted. But Adam failed. Because so as a result of his failure, God now took a, gave that ability to do the tikkun. He now gave it to mankind. All mankind now had the ability to do Tikkun. Di- Again, there were no Jews, you see, because God never intended that the Jewish people should do the Tikkun, even though that's what happened. Of course, God knew that. But his intent was that all mankind should do the Tikkun. And therefore, it passed from Adam, it passes now to, uh, to all mankind. Now, somebody who has the ability to do Tikkun is called the Israel. That's what Yisrael really is. Yisrael <coughs> refers not to a nation. It refers to an individual <coughs> who has a certain type of soul, the Shema, that can do the tikkun, without getting into that. That's what Yisrael really is. Okay. So therefore, Mauritian, even though he wasn't a Yehudi, wasn't Jewish, but he was Yisrael, which is interesting. So the first Yisrael was really Mauritian, as we will see not Yaakov, in any case, once he failed, the job was given over to the rest of mankind, and they became Israel, even though they're not Jewish. And there were 70 nations. They failed also, we know, because of the flood, right? And also the town of Babel, where they wanted a war against God, they all failed. So God appears to Avramovino Avino, and he says, "Listen, nobody's doing what I want them to do, and that is to do my will and my will will bring me back. And that's the Tikkun, that's the correction. So therefore, I'm now going to give you the ability to do Tikkun, which really Avromavin had, because Avromavina Avinu was really part of the 70 nations, right, so he anyway had it. But what i want to do is I'm gonna take it away from everybody else. Uh, and therefore that created the concept called goi, non-Jew, or Gentile. That was the origin of the concept of a Gentile, you see. So what God took away from them is the term called Yisrael. They no longer were Yisrael. I'm being very brief, because, you know, I want to proceed. So therefore, Avram Avinu is now called Yisrael, but not yet. Why? Because in order to be the Masaki that God wants, you have to earn it. You know? And Avram Avinu of course earned it. It's incredible. He would, he did, he passed every test that God gave him, Right? We know that. most 10 tests. <clears throat> and, and, he, and he made many gerim, hundreds of, maybe thousands of people to believe in God, you see? So he did a uh, magnificent job. But he was not a Yisrael permanently. Because in order to be Israel, the main thing that God wants is not that you should do the will of God, but you need to pass it on to your children. And that's what God says. Laman sava is born of Achro. You see, in other words, because I know that Avroma Avinu is going to command his children to also observe the will of God. And therefore, right, that's the main idea that God wants. Not only that you should do the mitzvahs, but that you need to pass it on as, as a, uh, well, I wouldn't use the word traditional, but you need to pass on this belief and this avidah, uh, work, task, to your children. It's critical, obviously. Because God wants this to pass down to all mankind the whole history, uh, and Avram Avinu did that. He, of course, Yitzchok was an uh, so Avrim, uh, Avram Avinu was an of patriarch. Yitzchok was an of, and also Yaakov is an of. You see, so Avram Avinu succeeded in passing on uh, the law, the mitzvahs of God, the will of God through three generations. This is what happened. Uh, <clears throat> In fact, we find that if you if you recall, in when we say hoidu, when we say hoidu in the morning by shakras, there's a very interesting verse possible, which is, which says says, "Ashikoras is Avraham, who made a covenant with Abraham, and he and he maintained his oath, which he promised Avraham Avinu about his children to Yitzhok, v'yamidel li And he established it with Yaakov you see therefore what we see is therefore that it requires the passage of the mitzvahs of God whatever for three generations and then if the third generation also observes the mitzvah of God then that third generation Yaakov he will now become a permanent Israel so this is a very important concept to know what happened well Yaakov has a brother, is Esav, and the and the job of Tikkun is now given to both Yaakov and Esav, because they're really both patriarchs, which I had dwelt on previous Shura and so on. They're both patriarchs. What's the difference? The job of Esav was to contend with evil, to go into the world, and that's why he's called an Ish a man of the field. What does that mean? That he would go into the world, right? And he would and he would. Resist the temptations of evil. And therefore, he would subdue evil. That's what he would do. That was his job. The job of Yaakov Avin, who was Yoshida Yoholam, is to bring down show to bring down holiness. So one has to contend with evil, right? And the other one has to bring down holiness. In the language of the Rabchal, the job of Asa would be Kfir Surah, to subdue evil, Kachas underneath holiness, that's his job. And the job of Yaakov would be what's called his Pashtis Kedusha, to expand the concept of holiness. This is what would happen. And that was the original intent. However, we know that of course, Esau failed. He was a patriarch that failed, which is devastating and enormously catastrophic for the entire universe. Because the neshama of and of, the power of a person who has the soul of a patriarch is enormous. He's connected to so many different places in the spiritual realms. And if he sins, then he could destroy an enormous amount of places. And if he succeeds, then he brings down the light in those <coughs> spiritual domains down to the earth. And that's the whole process of tikun. Now, Asaph failed, that we know. So if that's the case, there's now a problem. What is the problem? The problem is somebody has to take over the job of Asaph. Because there are four patriarchs, Yaakov and Esav. Esav fails, but who's going to do his job? The job has to be done. This concept of, of, of subduing evil must be picked up by somebody, you see. Who picked it up? So answer is Yaakov Avina. He went piggyback. And you know, it was not only he had his own job of bringing down holiness, he now had another job, which is the job of Esav, it's called a fill-in, right? To also subdue evil. And that is why after Yitzchak gave the blessings to Yaakov, we know that, he was 63 years old, okay. Therefore, what he was really giving him the blessings was the blessings of the job of Esau. So now Yaakov, because he received those blessings and he now took over that uh, task of Esau, he now had to go, he now had to go from his base madras, so to speak, right? He had to go into the world, and therefore he had to go to Lovim, the house of Lovin. And there was plenty of evil in that place. And besides, Khoran, he really had to go into the whole world, because he took over the job of Esau. That's what he did. So he went to Loven, and he stayed there for many, many years, and so on. In any case, after he finishes, what happens? He goes <coughs> and leaves the house of Loven. <coughs> and he encounters an individual who turned out to be a Malach. The famous battle between Yaakov and the Malach. Who's the Malach? The Malach is the Angel of Esau. That's who it was. Who is the Malach of Esau? The Satan. He himself, as I say, uh, the angel, the guardian angel of Esau is the Satan himself. He didn't assign it. Because the job of Esau really was to destroy the Satan. Because the Neshama of Aesop. Was connected to the Nishoma, or not the shama. The neshama of Asaph was connected to the shurish, the root of the Satan himself. And therefore, if Asaph would remain righteous in the face of evil, then he would weaken the power of the Satan. Okay? And as a result of this, that he could destroy the Satan. A patriarch could destroy the Satan, and Asaph could do it, had he really, you know, remained righteous and so on. But he didn't. So now Yaakov encounters a man and he encounters a man. Who's this man? It's a Sutton. The question is why is it called a man? Why is a Sutton called a man? Well, there's a lot of commentaries that ask, what in the world is the battle? You can't fight with an angel. It's impossible. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, uh, there's, no, there's no contest here. So what does it mean that Yaakov fought with Esau, or the, with the Malach of Esau, who's a sukkal? You can't fight with the sukkal. We all know that, because he's the angel of death. You know, I mean, that's his expertise. <clears throat> so there are commentaries, of course, that try to struggle with this, because it's a very profound question. And not only that, why is he called Ish? Why is he called a man? It should say, Vayovic, Vayovic And a Malach fought with him, whatever that means. <clears throat> So there is one commentary called the Sapuno," which is very interesting. And he, he, he alludes to a profound understanding of what the, the difficulty was. Yaakov didn't fight with a malach at that moment. He didn't know it was a malach. He didn't fight with anybody. Who did he fight with? Himself. When the sultan, who is the sultan? He's the Sahara. He's got three jobs. The one job is called the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah is somebody in you that is trying to tempt you to do sin, right? That's the uh, you know. And then he's also called the Sultan, which means he's the adversary. He's the heavenly di- district attorney who tries to prosecute you if you sin. And he's also called the He's Not that he kills you necessarily, but he's also responsible to execute the judgment. You see? But it, when he enters your mind, so to speak, and he tries to tempt you to sin, he's called the Sahara. He's also called Ish, because now he's in you. You're not fighting the entity that's outside of you. <laughs> You're now dealing with your own thoughts, your own temptation. So Yaakov fought the Yitzahara. But it wasn't just a regular Yitzahara. <clears throat> it was the Yitzahara that was incredibly powerful, because the job of Esau was to fight the Yitzahara as a full blown Mind-boggling temptation. He didn't have our Yat which we basically contend with, you know, and it's very it's very hard for us to beat our Sahara. Uh, the Eight of Aesov was beyond imagination. But Aesov had the ability to destroy him. Without getting into the whole story. Because Aesov had an incredible personality, very strong, you know. But Yaakov now had to prove. That he could do the job of Esau, you see. So the Sultan appears to him as the sahara okay, in his mind, and tries to convince him about something. What was, the, what was the conflict? The conflict is the exact idea of who Yaakov is. Yaakov excelled in humility, you see. That's what Yaakov excelled. It was an Ishtam, Yoshiva, But when Yaakov says, You know, who am I? Nobody. I don't deserve all the great chesed that you did for me. Yaakov excelled in humility, uh, so therefore, what was the temptation? Gaiva arrogance, because what Yaakov had done was incredible. What had he done? He goes to Lavan, takes over the job of Esau, okay, and believe me, Lavan is one of the most wily individuals you can ever encounter. We know that; he's a very evil person, whatever, and uh, you know, and uh, and. Uh, it's just amazing I can survive in that environment and remain righteous. But Yaakov did it. So one, Yaakov beat Lovin at his game. Two, not only that, he took the job of asaph and he did it. When asaph failed, you see. And that, by the way, there's, there's so much depth to answers, But one of them is when Yaakov, uh, uh, when Yaakov finds out that he's going to meet asaph So he tries to send an argument to Esau why Esau shouldn't kill him. So he says, "I'm Garti." I live with Zloven. So Rashi says, "Garti is the same letters as Taryad. So what Yaakov was saying is, "Hey, I observed the six hundred thirteen commandments. You didn't, you know, which is a very bizarre way of saying what, you know, what do you mean? I observed the six hundred thirteen commandments? You know, you think Esav cares what you observed? But what he was saying is that your job was to observe the six hundred thirty commandments in the house of uh, right? and 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 uh, uh, vanquish the Sudden." I did it. I was in the house of love, and I, I really, just like you should have done, I did it. I observed 613 commandments, and therefore, I was successful in what your job had to be. That was his argument. You see, also why, why would I, if you, you tell a guy he's a mafia guy, I, I observed 613 <coughs> commandments. Does that mean that he doesn't want to kill you? Of course he wants to kill you. But the argument to Ace was different. You know, you, you're angry at me because I took the blessings, right? But wait a minute, I did what you should have done, which is to observe the 613 commandments and destroy the sultan. I did it. So therefore, here's what Yaakov felt. One, Yaakov beat Lovin at his game. He remained righteous, right, which is an enormous task. Second thing he did, he took over Esau's job, and he beat Esau, you see. And the third thing, because of that, Yaakov Ovinu had 12 tribes, which is the whole client circle. So he's able to bring down the 12 tribes, the 12 <coughs> of Khan you see? And that is the beginning of the Jewish people. But that's an incredible achievement. And not only did that bring down the 12 tribes, he brought down the Sherish of the Mashiach ben Yosef, Yosef HaTzadet, because that's the root soul of the Mashiach ben Yosef. And he brought down Yehuda, which is the root soul of Mashiach ben David. You see? What an accomplishment. That, that, that's something that it's very hard to believe how somebody could do that, you see. So therefore, Yaakov is coming home from lover, right? And he's got all this done. What an incredible spiritual achievement. What happens? He sits down, right? And he's thinking, wow, it's incredible what I did. And all of a sudden he's gotta contend, hey, I must be special. I'm great, I'm incredible, you see. Gaiva all of a sudden a sudden enters him as a Haram, and starts telling him do you know who you are you are magnificent You see you're incredible You know you should get up and take a bow and the whole creation has to bow before you because you've accomplished what? You've accomplished the purpose of creation. You brought the Jewish people into existence so imagine Yaakov sitting there he's got to fight his temptation to be about Gaiva Ah, that's Va'yavoq Ishimoy, but of course the one who is prompting him to do that is the Satan himself. You see, because the Sutton is trying to destroy him. You see, so he's hoping that he'll fail, that Yaakov will say, you know, right, you know, true. I'm a magnificent guy. I'm incredible. I'm God's gift to the world. You see, and that's Gaiva, and you're not supposed to think that way. The way you are supposed to think is how great. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that I was able to make God happy. I'm a nobody. Like Moshe Rabbeinu says in last week's pastor. No what am I? Nothing. That's what a person, a tzaddik has to think that way. I'm a nobody. But how, how great I feel for doing the, the, the work of God, the, bari, the will of God, right? And bringing what's called a tremendous nachas ruach, a tremendous feeling of satisfaction to God. That's the whole purpose. That's the real Avoid. Instead what he's thinking at, I'm incredible, I'm magnificent, you see? Wrong thought, you see? And this was the moment that he really had to find the sudden by himself. And he's doing it all night long, you see. And then all of a sudden, as the day enters, guess what? The sultan pops out of his mind, so to speak, however it works, and all of a sudden, there he is. He's an angel. And then Yaakov realized exactly what was going on, you see. And Yaakov passed the test. Almost. There was a slight glitch, that he did feel a certain glitch of what's called in Yiddish zich, eye. And that's why the satan was able to hit him in his hip. Because he, there was a slight failure, you know, and that's what, the Medrash says this, you know, in any case. But by and large, Yaakov succeeded 99%. You see. So all of a sudden the Mach appears to him. And and, and, is in, uh, and "And since Yaakov did it, he's controlling the uh, Satan. He won. You see. And so the Satan says, Le- let me go. Because I have to go. It's daybreak. And I have to go and sing Shiva to God. Even the Satan sings Shiva to God. You know." Uh, so Yaakov, of course, says, oh no. Not so quick. You need to bless me. See, that's what he says to Yaakov. So, of course, the sultan has no choice, so he gives Yaakov a bracha. But you don't find he blessed Yaakov at all. What he did say is that your name shall no longer be called Yaakov, it will be called Yisrael. That is the greatest blessing of all. What is a blessing, really? When you walk over and when you say to yourself, You know, I've been blessed, what are you really saying? Or when you walk over to somebody else and you say, I would like to bless you. What does that mean, bless? What that really means, <clears throat> when you say, I've been blessed, what you're really saying is, I've been the recipient of good. That's what it means to be blessed. When you say to another guy, you know, I want to bless you, what you're really saying is that I wish that you will be the recipient of incredible goodness. That's what a blessing is. And that's what you really say when you say it about yourself. You see? So what the Malach told Yaakov was a blessing. Why? Because (coughs) the job which Yaakov did by beating the satan and withstanding gaiva, arrogance, and remaining humble was the finale of the job of Esav. That's the case. And the three generations were by with the tradition, right? the doctrine of Judaism remained, with Avram and Vino Yitzhak and Yaakov, and therefore the Malach said, you, therefore, are now permanently Israel. What a blessing. That means you and your descendants are the only ones that can do the Tikkun. That was the blessing. And as a result of that, you will be privy to the blessings of Avraham. And in you will be blessed all the nations of the world, earth wide. Because all blessing comes from tikkun. Because when you do a tikkun, when you rectify creation, and you bring God back, what happens, right? Then all of a sudden, the the, the enormous spiritual energy force of God comes, the light, and all mankind is blessed. Because that's the essence of all blessing, is the presence of God. So the tikkun is to bring it back, and therefore all mankind is blessed. So essentially, he's giving Yaakov the blessings of Avram. you see? You can't get a greater blessing than, than that. That means Yaakov had the ability to bless anybody, you see. And the Malach told him the Satan, well, what an admission from the Satan, who was the angel of Esau, that he tells to Yaakov, you are the Masakin." And therefore, the concept of Yisrael, which if you remember I said was the idea of Adam or Ishma, a Jew, any, any, any being, any human being that can do the deacon, is called Israel, right? You are now permanent Israel. So he did bless him. That's what the malach did, because he had completed the job of Esau, and that's why it says right after that, by Yovo Yaakov Shalem," And Yaakov went, Shalem, complete. What do you mean complete? Because he had done the job of Esau and withstood the malach. Okay, and the fight now, you understand what the real contest was, is the horror in terms of arrogance or humility. In any case, <clears throat> that's very important. Very important. Now, as you will see, because this has profound significance, as we will see, on Mike Pence. (laughs) (laughs) So whet your appetites. Now, what happens next? Then Yaakov goes and he meets Esav. Right? And what does Esav say? It's astounding. The guy's coming to kill him with 400 men. Instead he says, one, Ochi, my brother. Two, he kisses him. And Rabshim says that was a real kiss, right? And the third thing he says, not just he kisses him, right? He says, let that which is yours be yours. And Rashi says, "We can't." from here, he admitted that the blessings are Yaakov's. Wow, what a reversal of Esav. And what that means, what's called, uh, indicates or foretells that Esav is right about to do tshuva. And I mentioned this in the last year, that Esav is about to do tshuva, you see. Why? Because Yaakov should have realized that if I want over his angel, then the bond between his angel, which is a sultan, and Esav is enormously diminished. And therefore, he's ready to do tshuva. Very important idea. Okay. Uh, what does tshuva mean? I mentioned what tshuva means, right? Tshuva has three ideas. One, you need to have V doing. You have to admit you sinned. If you don't admit you sinned, right, then you're not, you can't do, repent on something you haven't admitted. right? The second aspect of tshuva right, is not just admission, but regret. I regret I sinned. I admit I sinned, and I regret. That's number two. The third aspect of sin, in many ways, uh, is very, very important, is what's called Kabola al Osset. You have to say, I'm not going to do it again. You see? By the way, of these three, which is the greatest, it's interesting to think. Is the vidui, the confession? Is it the regret? Or is it the kabola al So probably everybody would say it's the kabola al You see? But the Chovetz Chaim says, interesting in the Shemir that the regret is the greatest. Because many times, we accept, we, we, we say, ourselves, we won't do it again. Guess what? We do it again, and again, and again. Uh, you see? So what God wants is, okay, you admit it, but what I really want, you need to regret what you did. That's what he really wants. Kabbalah said, hopefully you'll be able to change your ways. But the main consciousness a person has to say is, I'm sorry, I regret that I ever did this, and I rebelled against the will of God. Anyway, so therefore, what do we find Asaph, Did he do any of this? That's the question, because <clears throat> we know that Esau in the end will change and will do tshuva. Great. Enter Trump. Trump really is in many ways, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I don't want to get into the whole thing I said last week, but in many ways Trump, his job is to, to purify Esau the Toivsh of Esav, because Esav has a good part, and he has a very evil part. Uh, the good part of Esav is America. I, I'm skipping a lot of stuff. You have to go back to the previous year, and so on and so forth, you see. Uh, because, <clears throat> well, maybe I'll just say this. Esav became Edom, and Edom became Rome. Rome became Western uh, Christianity, and Christianity became Western civilization. Western civilization is Aesop. That's the modern day format of Aesop. But Aesop had three characteristics. One characteristic is what? Is that he was incredibly evil in the sense that an unbelievable bargaifa, arrogant. The second aspect of Aesop is not just his arrogance, but also he's a fraud. And the third aspect of Aesop is incredibly into pleasure. So therefore, Western civilization is divided into three areas, three countries. Three areas. The gaiva, the arrogance of Aesop, is Russia. Because Russia is the Russian Orthodox Church, okay? And for 70 years, they were communists, which is complete atheism. That's an unbelievable arrogance. And it's interesting that the aspect of Aesop, which is arrogance, is so dangerous that God would only allow to survive communism for 70 years. (coughs) The second aspect of Aesop, which is a fraud, is an imposter, is Europe. Because Europe is an imposter. You know, they preach peace and love and all that. More, more, more people have been killed in the name of Christianity than all the wars combined. So much for their peace, uh, religion and peace. The third idea, pleasure, well, we know what the pleasure is, it's America. America is the pleasure aspect of Esau, and it's also what's called the Tev of Esau. It's a good part of Esau. And the job, really, in the end, for Esau to do tshuva the job is really for Trump to mature America, is to purify America and turn it from bad to good. And there is an evil aspect of Aesop, and they'll be destroyed. If you take a look, who the evil aspect of Aesop is, you know, especially now, the government, the corruption of the American government, you know, and all the people who are not interested in helping the people of America, they're just interested, right, in getting elected again. Uh, and I have to say, the Clintons are part of the evil of America. And they have been destroyed, almost. But they have been completely been d- discarded. That's why the motion is so. And, and this is going to continue. It's been a whole scandal uh, in Washington and so on. That's about to burst anyway. But in any case, that will really destroy the evil of America. Uh, but Trump is wants to be a America. Okay. And that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So. What do we do? Well, if that's the case, then we need to have certain things that Trump has to do. He has to admit that we were wrong, right? Not only that, then he has to regret it. And then he has to say, you know, uh, I'm Kabbalah al assad I accept now, on the future, that what? That we won't do this to you anymore, you see. And believe it or not, that's exactly what Trump's been doing, as I mentioned last time. Declared the capital of Israel to be Jerusalem, so he's saying hey, it's yours. Now, if Jerusalem is the capital, then obviously Israel is the land of Israel. I can't have a capital on a land. So he's admitting also that uh, America, uh, that Israel belongs to the Jews. You see, not only that, he went to the coastal put it in a fiddle, which I had mentioned, right. So he's admitting that the God of Israel is the supreme God, right. And then he made a whole Hanukkah party, right. What well, he said in is all about the dedication of the Beis HaMikdash, and, and he spoke very beautifully, right? So he's admitting that the Beis HaMikdash existed, and the Beis HaMikdash is legitimate and it's real, and it's the Jews, right? Then I mentioned Rubashkin phrase, and he admitted to, and that, that was a universal admission that we wronged you, Rubashkin, right? The DOJ, the Department of Justice wronged you, so therefore I admit that we have wronged you for 2,000 years, you see? but he has not blessed Israel. The Malach did, right? The Malach of Aesop has blessed the Jewish people, didn't it? Or Yaakov And therefore we now come to, to Pence. Pence has finalized, in many ways, the tshuva of of, of Aesop, Edren. And, th- and that's the incredible thing that Pence has done. In other words, what what they are doing, what Trump and Pence is reiterating that is they are changing, as I had mentioned, the job of Asam, which originally was Yaavod to serve Yaakov, and became Yahveh to oppress Yaakov. They are now reversing the Yaavod to oppress Yaakov back into Ya'void where they are going to where they they are going to serve Yaakov. And this is really what's happening. And therefore, what I just want to do. It's just just read a little of his speech, because it's astounding when you look at this context. Remember, ASOF, AKA America, AKA also known as Trump, right? And so on. The whole government. When you, when you hear Trump, uh, uh, Pence's speech, it's astounding of what they are admitting. And you talk about the government. You know, this is the United States. So. I'm going to just uh, uh, take some of the ideas, because it's worthwhile to understand within this context. It is deeply humbling. This is from It is deeply humbling for me to stand before this vibrant democracy. Humbling? The United States has 350 million people. It is the greatest nation on Earth. And he's the vice president. And he's saying, humbling? What's that supposed to mean? Just look at the language. Doesn't make sense. And he's talking to the Knesset, right? The Knesset? Knesset is is, is what? Is the parliament body of eight million people. Right, that's all it is. So this guy of 350 million people, the most powerful nation on earth, is humbling? Humbling to stand in front of Knesset? What is it, 120 guys? They don't even wear ties, right? (laughs) Uh, you know what I'm saying? And they're always screaming at each other. You ever walk into the Knesset? <laughs> like, like, you know, you know and, and he's like, and he's like, <laughs> what is he saying? So it's deeply humbling for me to stand before this vibrant, vibrant democracy to have the great honor, honor to address the Knesset. Come on. You think Putin would have said this? The first vice president of the United States to be afforded the privilege here in Jerusalem, the capital of the state of Israel, wow! What an admission! It's astounding. You have to understand what this is. This is Edom. This is the people, right? This is Christianity. What's the word? that has killed two thousand years of Jews, right? And this guy standing up saying this. <clears throat> And I bring greetings from a leader who has done more to bring our two great countries closer together. Great countries? Israel is a great country compared to the United States? What is he saying? Uh, Yes, because Israel is a great country. Not because of the fact that it's a leader in many ways. He doesn't understand that. It's a great country because the entire creation stands on the back of the Jews. Because they are the messiah. He's prophesying without knowing that he's prophesying. That's really what's happening here, and it's going to be continuous. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> Closer together than any president in the past seventy years, the forty-fifth president of the United States, America, President Donald Trump. Okay. Then, thanks to the president's leadership, the alliance between our countries, two countries, have never been stronger, and the friendship between our people has never been deeper. Now he says, and I'm here to convey a simple message from the heart, very important word, of the American people. America stands with Israel. What has he just done? I don't know if you realized that. But by saying from the heart, that means it's MS what I'm saying. It's not a political strategy to look good in front of the Knesset, you know? It's MS Ladova. <clears throat> and not only that, from the heart of the American people. In other words, it's not just me. It's the American people, which means that the Tahara is on the entire America, not just on me. It's not I that only regret. It's all America that regrets what we did. And therefore, what he has done unwittingly is include the American people in the assisting the Jewish people to do the Tikkun, so the entire America will be rewarded. That's what he has done. Unwittingly, that's what he's done. And then, of course, he says we stand with Israel because your cause is our cause. What is he saying? what, what is the cause of the Jews? The cause of Jews being the Jews bring the deacon, right? It's our cause because we are now going to assist you. He is prophesying without understanding the meaning of the real the real meaning of the words. Your values are our values, of course. Because what's the value of the Jew? To do the will of God. And that's our value. And your fight is our fight to fight the suffering. I'm laying in meaning which he clearly doesn't intend. But I'm, what I'm saying is like, like many times we find the Rashi says that, that he's prophesying and he doesn't even realize it's a prophecy. That the meaning of what he's saying is much deeper than what he thinks. <coughs> and he continues, <clears throat> in the story of the Jews where we've always seen the story of America, what a comparison. And he's comparing the, uh, the story of America to, to the story of the Jews. It is a story of the Exodus. Right? He believes in the Bible, which I know he does. It's a journey from persecution to freedom, a story that shows the power of faith and promise of hope. Yeah. And then he begins something interesting. He's saying, you know, it's not only really we're similar. My country is based on you. It's incredible. My whole country is based on you. My country's very first settlers also saw themselves as pr- uh, pilgrims sent by providence, who well of course was God, to build a new promised land. Now, the songs and stories of the people of Israel were their anthems, that's what they relied on. On Judaism is what they relied on, see? So what he's giving is an incredible historical validity to the Jewish people of antiquity that even America is based on. Uh, uh, on, on, on the stories and, uh, of, the, of which of course means a Torah uh, and they faithfully taught them to their children and to, to do, the, uh, do that to this day and then he says and our founders as others have said turned to the wisdom of the Hebrew Bible right, for direction which is purpose guidance which is strategy and inspiration it's incredible what he's saying he says, the whole concept of America is Jewish. <laughs> it's Jewish, that's really what it is. He's saying our, our founding fathers, or Who, you know? Yeah, uh, you have to think about what this guy's saying. That he does not realize the emiss of what he's saying. And then he says America's first president, George Washington, wrote with favor to the children of the stock of Abraham. But the next quote is incredible. Our second president, John <laughs> Adams, declared that the Jews, in his words, <coughs> have done more to civilize man than any other nation. Wow, what a statement. What a credit. <coughs> you see, And your story inspired my forebears, you see, to create what the 16th president calls new birth of freedom, which was in front of, to Lincoln, you know? <coughs> And down through the generations, the American people became fierce advocates of the Jewish people's aspiration to return to the land of their, your forefathers. What does Abbas say? Israel's not yours, right? Arafat said there was no such thing as a temple. Uh, and he's saying, your to the land of your forefathers. Of course it was yours. There's no denial. He, every statement he said is a rebuttal of what the Arabs have been saying. And then it's interesting. Then he says, the Jewish people have held fast to a promise through all the ages, written so long ago, what? It's apostate in comish, that God says, and he's quoting God, even if you have been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, which God says, right? From there, from there, God will gather you and bring you back to the land which your fathers possessed. Israel is yours, historically and biblically. That's a complete refutation of the Arabs and their claim, it's just beyond belief what he's saying. <clears throat> you know? And by the way, uh, he says, and then, then he goes something and says something which I think he got a standing ovation for. for. You know <clears throat> He said that um, <clears throat> as the state of Israel celebrates the 70, 70th anniversary of its birth, by the way, this is the 70th year that it was declared a nation, you know. And then he said something which I think knocked everybody out. As you prepare to commemorate this historic milestone, I say along with the the good people of Israel, here and around the world, shachiyonu vikimonu v'yonazmanazeh. Excuse me, you know what is this? Could you imagine Ace of saying shachiyonu vikimonu v'yonazmanazeh? I'm like, you know. You you have to pinch yourself to make sure you you're awake, you know, uh, to make you know. It's like what is this? Aesop is giving a broker on who that the Jews should say Shechionu, who kept us alive, vikimonu right and has es- exists made us exist right. vikionu has made us rich z'malazeb. I mean, what is that? That's incredible. Remember, this is A or Edom, the of the good part of Edom saying this. Talk about an admission, right? Talk about a regret. This is unheard of in American history. Then he says the US was the first nation to recognize Israel, and so on. And then, of course, no other administration wanted to recognize you. They wanted to, you know, because they never made Jerusalem to be the capital we said this is all false It's all sheker right <clears throat> of course and and it says and it, and it says that Donald Trump made history by recognizing the capital of Israel as, as Jerusalem and this is interesting he righted a 70-year wrong he kept his word to the American people the American people he's giving credit to the American people which is very important and therefore they are entitled to the reward that they will get for assisting the Jews. Each word is very important. But I love the fact that he righted the 70-year wrong. What do you mean, wrong? The only thing that's right is the interests of nations. Everything else is irrelevant. So what he's saying, of course, why did the presidents before that never acknowledge Jerusalem as a capital? for one reason, you know? Because it was in their self-interest not to do it. I can understand that. You know, because they wanted to curry favor with the Arabs, get the oil, right? And therefore they didn't want to recognize, because they felt that they do, that's the end of peace, whatever. So he it says that it still was wrong, because righteousness precedes personal or political interest. You don't realize what this statement is, because all nations would say, What's right? My self-interest is right. You see? What you want to call it politically correct, whatever. But he's saying mm, that even though mm, that even though they had their Khajonis, as they say, they had their reasons, right? It was still wrong. Because what he's saying is uh, which is an incredible statement of tzitkos, righteousness, that righteousness is greater than political interests. That's what he's saying. Do so you ever hear President anybody say that? Uh, you, you, have to, you, know, you have to read this and understand what this man is saying. Then, of course, he says, the Jewish people's unbreakable bond to the sacred city reaches back more than 3,000 years ago. What an admission of historical, right? Evidence. It was here in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah that Abraham offered his son, right? Isaac, and was credited with righteousness for his faith in God. (coughs) The Arabs hold, right? That Avram sacrificed Ishmael in Mecca, right? And here's the president of the United States saying, of course not, right? It was Avron that often, Yitzchok, Mamshan HaMaria. I mean, talk about historical validity. It's incredible. This is also, our president made a decision, in his words, in the best interest of the United States. Not in the best interest of who? Of political correctness. You know? Or, or the best interest, we did it because we want to curry favor with Israel. No. Because this is this is the best interest of the United States. What is the interest? Righteousness and honesty. That's what he's saying. Because that was the interest. What are the interests? In fact, it's almost incredible that he even did it, because he knew that if he recognizes Israel, uh, the Jerusalem as the capital, what's going to happen? Then the Arab the Abbas is going to, of course, walk out. So really what he did is the truth won over the fear that he won't be able to make peace with Abbas. The uh. <clears throat> and then he says, <clears throat> which is interesting, the winds of change can already be witnessed across the Middle East. Long-standing enemies are becoming partners. Arabia, Saudi Arabia, right? Old foes, or old, or old foes are finding new ground for cooperation. And the descendants of Isaac and Ishmael are coming together in common cause as never before. Of course, because that's the true of Ishmael. He is commenting on something which is not only that America does chuva, but even Ishmael does chuva. But he recognizes it as something that has never happened before, you see. And then he mentions nearly four thousand years ago a man left his home in all of the Chaldees of wrong right? To travel here to Israel. And so on. And and he mentions he he, uh, he had no crown and so on. Uh, Yet to him was this promise, descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. You see. And he keeps going on and on about this. Abraham's promised land. Then of course he says that what Israel has done is beyond belief. The growth of Israel. But in the end, He says these ideas. May God bless the Jewish people. That's the Malach of Esav blessing the Jewish people. That finishes off the job. See, so not only has he admitted repeatedly, uh, you know, that we were wrong, we sinned, we brutalized you as part of what mankind did to you, but in the end, what you need to realize also is what is that I will bless you, which is unheard of. Oh, this happened in Shvat, you see. Now, I'm going to go to one more star, one even more event, and then you'll understand why all of this has to happen in Shvat, Tubishvat. You see? This is living evidence of what Tuba Shvart is. The second incident is also defies. You, you have to hear this. Kanyo <clears throat> went to India. You see. So they asked, uh, Hamoudi as a military correspondent, his name is Ape. Okay? So they asked them, how'd you like it? What do you think happened? Uh, so they asked him, you accompanied Prime Minister Binyong Netanyahu on a trip to India last week. What struck you the most about the visit? Listen carefully what happened in India and then I will explain why. The warmth both on a personal level between Netanyahu and his host Prime Minister, Narendra Modi, I think you can pronounce it Modi, Modi, I'm not sure which way you pronounce it. Let's just say Modi, and between the people of India and Netanyahu as the leader of, in other words, what struck him was the warmth on a personal level between Netanyahu and his host Prime Minister Modi, and between the people of India and Netanyahu as leader of Israel. What struck him amazing was the warmth Not just between Netanyahu and Morai, but between Ntanyo as the leader of Israel and the Indian people. What does that mean? Here's one example. In his four years in office, Morai has hosted dozens of foreign leaders. And the protocol is to send a minister to the airport to greet them on their arrival, which makes sense. He's broken protocol, how? And come to the airport himself only twice for the presidents of the United States and China. Last week he surprised Netanyahu when he showed up himself to greet Netanyahu, treating Israel the way he treats the superpowers. This makes no sense. I mean, he never did that. You sent a minister, Felix, you know? But Moldau himself came to greet Netanyahu the same way he greeted America and China, the world's superpowers. Why? That's incredible. And Israel, what is Israel really? It's an eight million people, whatever, eight million people. I mean, it's a dot on the map. You know what I'm saying? So he actually comes, what does this mean? If you think that happened, wait. Okay. <clears throat> this gesture set the tone of the visit. Morai was at Netanyahu's side, practically throughout the entire throughout through the week long visit. You, you couldn't miss the chemistry that exists between the two. You should know, when you look at these two, they look like long-lost brothers about to hug each other. But what is that supposed to mean? And not only that, the Prime Minister's a busy guy. Why would he hang around in the the whole week? You see? All he is is the Prime Minister of Israel. That's all he is. So why are you doing this? Uh, but now, here's what he says. So that's the relationship between Modi and the which is beyond, uh, beyond comprehension. Never happened before. Uh, But the extraordinary warmth also came from the people of India. Listen to this. I saw hundreds of thousands of people line the streets for five miles to greet Netanyahu. Can you imagine what that is? No. Imagine you come to India, right? And you're going to New Delhi, right? and for five miles, five miles, it's filled with Indian people, right? To greet you. How would you feel? It's incredible. And, and it was unbelievable. Uh, they would never seen anything like that. Five miles, hundreds of thousands of Indians were there to greet Young and old gave up time from work or school and dropped, dressed up in their finest to pay tribute to an Israeli leader? What is it, because of trade or economy? This makes no sense. Uh, You see, they never did that to anybody else. Now, and I'll read this last piece. The newspapers in India described Netanyahu's welcome as regal. Remember, it's a little country called Israel. That's all it is. Um, Now this is astonishing. Most of the media in the capital of Delhi went even further commenting that no other leader regardless of the size of his country, had received the kind of warm greeting that Netanyahu got last week. It is unheard of in Indian history. What is going on here? right? What does this mean? Just because Israel can sell them missiles, you see? So does that mean they line up? The people, what do they have to do with the missiles? They line up for five miles. The question is, what does that really mean and why? And the question also is, who is India? For that, in order to answer that, you need to go back to the Chumash. Avram Avino, after had died, he <coughs> married again. Uh, who did he marry? He married Ketur, uh, Keturah. OK, who is Keturah? So the mind, Keturah is Hogov. He married Hogov which is the first time, you know, uh, he married her, remember, and then they, they, because of Sarah, they chased Hagar out because Yishmael was trying to kill Yitzhak and so on. But apparently, after Sarah died, he remarried her, okay? So it says there, Oh yeah, now, in the Chumash, what it says there is that, what did he do? He gave everything that he owned to Yitzchak. And what he did is he gave to the sons of the concubines, and the Torah lists a whole bunch of children that came out of him and Hagar, okay? And then it says <clears throat> that he gave, uh, uh, he gave everything to Yitzhak, because Yitzhak was the main idea, <clears throat> but to Hagar's kids he gave matondus gifts, okay? And it says that to the children of the concubines of Avron. So the Zoya says a remarkable statement, the Zoya Chodosh, the Zoya says, <clears throat> that what that means since the since the Torah is, is ascribing the children of Hogar again to Avram, that each of these kids had a in the, in the tzotzer, a spark of the gedush of Avram of They were not Jews, because the Jew is from yitzhak and Yaakov <clears throat> but they were all Bni Avram. And not only that but they had a certain spark of Kedusha from Avram Avinu that went into each of the kids of the Belaksh. That's a very important concept. So we're not looking here regular Goy, non gentile. We're looking at uh, right uh, children of Avram Avinu that had a certain Kedusha of Avram Avinu. It's called Anitzoitz, a spark of Avram Avinu. And that's what the Zoe says. Uh, Rashi says, what were the gifts that he gave to these, to these kids? Right? all the gifts so the Rashi said Shem Tuma a, a, a name of Tuma Shem means a, a, a sort of like a, a um, what's the English word for it a, call, call it a, a divine name of Tuma now why would he do that why would our Roman vino give a, 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 a name of God so to speak of, 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 of impurity to his kids. We know how Ramavinu did everything he could for everybody to make them religious. So to his own kids, he's going to give what? A name of, a divine name of, uh, of uh, defilement? No. What he gave them was a shem tumma that protected them from tumma. There are divine names that when you meditate on will protect you from defilement. That's what he gave them. But what's interesting is when you do that, You need to meditate. He taught them the science of meditation. And since the whole concept, what he gave them, was divine names of Tuma, clearly, he taught them the whole theoretical structure of spirituality. Because that's what divine name of Tuma means. So it comes out that these kids of his, right, that they they had an incredible spiritual inheritance from Avraham Avinu, and the way they could protect themselves from, uh, from, from Tuma. Why? Because he knew he was going to send them out, which he did, which I will bring down. He knew that they could be influenced by Aved And the way to protect themselves was through a divine name that they could meditate on and, and protect themselves. But what you see is that these kids had what? They had an incredible grounding in spirituality, because we're talking about a mechanism to prevent themselves from being, uh, you know, uh, Zara. You see? And the whole concept of meditation. Then it says in the Torah, right, that he sent them out. He sent them the direction of east to the land of the east. How far is that? So we know they went east of Israel, because Avram was in Israel. How far is that? Uh, And for that, we have to look in the Zoya, where it says Rebbe Aibu, when Rebbe Aibu went went eastward, and he encountered the children of Avram, 2,000 years later, the descendants of Avram Avinu from Haga, the Bnei Haga, or the Bnei Keturah. He counted them, see, but he noticed, he said, and he saw that they still had the teachings of Avram, but the problem is, is that they integrated it with Avodah Zara. That was the problem, you see. What land, The far, which is very far, because it doesn't say just the east, but it went far east, really, you know, very far eastward. What land is that? That's India. What happened is that they settled in India, you see, <coughs> and in many ways they took over the culture of, of India because they had the chokhmah, the wisdom of Avraham Avinu. Did you ever notice what the, what the, what the religions of India are? There's Hinduism and so on. In many ways, the, the religions of India are very spiritual they feel that way the Zohar. but it's very spiritual in fact India is on a much higher level of spirituality in Christianity if you think about that the concept of ever if you ever get involved in these disciplines of yoga it's about meditation it's about knowing the soul and disconnecting the soul from the physical world in many ways it's you know of course it's it is, Of course, it's it's not Judaism. But there's very astonishing parallels between the Indian way of understanding the world reality and Judaism. They're very much into what's called the soul, and how the soul soul goes through an illusion called Maya. And the soul, which is Atman, has to separate itself from that, right? And they do this through meditation. Uh, The avoider of those Indians into this is spiritual. You see, but of course it's, it's, it's complete distortion of the spirituality. But this is Avraham Avinu, you see. So what does it come out? It comes out in an incredible concept that India is Bnei Avram. The Indians are Bnei Avram. They are the children that came out from Hagar, you see, with the spiritual inheritance of what they have. <clears throat> and therefore, the amazing thing is that <clears throat> Now you look at what happened in the Tando. the tshuva, God is bringing back the Bnei Avrom, the children of Abraham. One, he's bringing back Asa, Edom, you see, and that's Trump. He's bringing back Ishmael, and that's Saudi Arabia. But what's astonishing is He's bringing back the Bnei Keturah, And therefore, the Indians sense that, that they have a tremendous affinity you see, with the Jewish people, uh, and therefore, what, how you cannot explain the behavior of Modi It's almost like they're brothers. And the truth is, when you really think about that, the Bnei Avram, right? That the Bnei Keturah, Avram Avinu was a Keturah, what is a half brother to to Yitzchak? Same father, different mother. Uh, so I believe what's happening is astonishing is that the Indians, for whatever reason, the Bersham is waking them up, you uh, see? And what he's doing is that they all of a sudden have this incredible uh, feeling about Jewish people, you see? And it's not just Morai with the Netanyahu, it's Indian people. Why else would they line up for five miles? When they have nothing to do with Israel, really. To do what? Because there's something in the Neshama of the Indians that recognize that they have an affinity with Jews. And that they are the Bnei Keturah. So what's happening is all the Bnei Avram is doing chuva. That's what's happening with India. It's amazing when you think about that. But see, And that's how they're connected, you see. And therefore, the joy, it's, it's interesting, that the Indians are experiencing a tremendous joy. What's the joy? That they are being reunited in certain ways with their half-brothers. I believe that's what's happening. Because in, there is no other explanation for what happened last week or the week before. There is no other explanation. And I believe the explanation is completely spiritual. Because they are the B'nake Keturah. All of this happened when? In Shvat. What is Shvat? Now we can get to Tuba Shvat. <laughs> that was the introduction. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, It's called a practicum. This is really happening in Sheva. We know that there are many forces of evil that dominate the Jewish people throughout the centuries. And I mentioned once that if the Jews deserve to be punished because they sin, then God will assign eight persecutory agents to do that. The first one is called Egypt. After Egypt, you had Babylon. Then you had uh, Persia, then Greece, and then Rome, you see. And Rome, we know, is Aesop. As I had mentioned, (coughs) that Aesop is Edom. Edom became Rome, Rome became Christianity. Christianity is Western civilization, which is now in three parts, you see. Uh, Now, so therefore, we have Egypt, Babylon, Babel, we have Persia, Poros, Yovan is Greece, and of course, Rome is Edom five, you see? And Rome transforms itself several times as I mentioned. Who are the other three? The other three is who? Is Yishmuel is number six, okay? Amolek is number seven. And the Erevra, which are Jews that want to destroy the uniqueness of the Jewish people in terms of removing the Torah, is number eight. These are the eight persecutory agents that God assigns that the Jews deserve to be punished. But what's interesting is each one, uh, the power of these individuals has a certain time period, you see. Take take the time period of Edan, which is Christianity. The month of Teves is the month of Aesov. The astronomical sign of Teves is the goat, Capricorn, the goat. And the goat is the sign of the devil, in Greek mythology, the goat is the sign of, of the devil, you see. <clears throat> but in any case, and what is the major event that occurred in Teves, which comes out basically December, right? It's Christmas, you see. Uh, so Tevis is considered the month of Aesop where he has the power to do what he wants, you see. That power of Esau begins to ebb, wane. <clears throat> with the entrance of Shvat. You see. Now, Shvat, uh, it, 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 it ends with Tubishvat. Tubashvat is the termination of the ability of the persecutory agents. It ends by Tubishwat. And Tubashvat, we know, is the blossoming of fruits. Right? That's what Tubashvat is. It's when the fruit on the tree begins to blossom. And that, of course, means the blossoming is, there's now fruit, there's now life, right? It's a rebirth. That's what Tu is. And there are many halochas that are connected with Tu you see? Uh, halachas halochas in terms of Truma and mysa you see? But what the significance for us about Tu is because there's a blossoming of the fruit, which is a new rebirth, what that means is that the ability of Asov to afflict the Jewish people Begins to end in Shvat. You see. Now there's an argument between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel. Is it Reish de Shvat or is it Tuba Shvat? It. It's an argument, you know. So we Paskin, we decide according to Beis Hillel. But Beis Shammai is Beis Shammai. So all these events happen in the beginning of Shvat. Why? Because that is the beginning, especially the concept of penance. You see, because the, the influence or the ability of Edin to do bad is ending in Shvat. And then lo and behold, Pence comes out and gives this entire speech, you know, which is a complete affirmation of the Jew, his greatness, and his job. And Israel belongs to him, both historically, biblically, politically, etc. And he gives it exactly in Shvat when the influence of Esav ends. You see, then what happens? And then from Shvat, that's the beginning. Then Shvat, after Tuba Shvat, who takes over? Ador. Ador is the month of Joseph, Yosef Hatzadeh, you see. And therefore Homan couldn't survive. That's why he was, uh, the Purim, of course, then Ador. So Ador is the month of the power of Yosef. So first, the termination of the power of Edoin, Esau, ends, and that's exactly what happened in these events, right? And then, from Tubishvat until the end of (coughs) Ador, the power of Yosef begins. And the power of Yosef, of course, we know Yosef, his main job was to counter evil, because that's what Yosef did when he went to Egypt. It is to do evil. Yosef really was in the job of Esau. Because Yaakov could not do the total job of Esav, so Yosef, who was supposed to be a tribe, a shevet, took over half the job of of uh, of Esav, and that's why it says, be the the house of Jacob will be for fire; beis Yosef, the the house of Joseph will be a flame; we'll be will the Kash, therefore the house of Esav will be reduced to stubble." You see, so you need Yaakov and Yosef to vanquish Esav. So therefore, Shvat is the termination of the power, the spiritual power of Asa, to afflict the Jews. And that's really what happened with pens, right? The second thing is Yosef begins to take over, over, and that's why Purim happened in Ado, because the power of Yosef was to destroy Amole. you see? So we are now entering a time period when the acceleration of the messianic process is going to get faster, you see? Not only that, and then you enter Nisan, right? Nisan is the redemption. So <coughs> the concept of redemption means that it's not, it's no longer the, the concept of removing evil, right? Or pollution or contamination. Nisan is the month of redemption, which is the entry, which is the real termination of evil. And it's the entry of Kedusha, holiness, And that goes on until year and then Sivan, which is Mount Tur. So what is amazing is that that's what Tu B'Shvat really is, and that's why we celebrate Tu because it is the end or the termination of evil forces against uh, the Jewish people. You see, because everything has a time period, even evil has a time period. You see, and I feel that these incredible events have happened because we are in Shvat. So that is tremendous news for the Jewish people, that we seem to be. I mean if you look at what's been happening in the last two months it's very hard to believe the acceleration in terms of america and trump you know and what trump has done you know and so on right then you read pence you know i mean the way it sounds pence ought to become jewish the way he's spoken about jews it's almost like he's wishing he was jewish you see and of course we know he's an evangelical christian uh, and so on but um these events are happening with rapid fire succession. And most people, what's happening and why? And the idea to that is because, as I said, we are very rapidly accelerating the messianic process. That's really what's happening. And as a result of that, we are seeing things which each individual thing in and of itself is incredible, is remarkable. But okay, maybe but when you put them all together in the last, you know, years since Trump became president, you know, and especially in the last couple of months, it's very hard to believe that each event stands by itself. What God is doing is accelerating the process, but he's doing it so slowly that people don't realize what's happening. Like he's doing it under the eyes and nose of everybody. Uh, but if you look at each event, so you could say, well, maybe this event happened because... It happened, you know? Even though it never happened before. But when you add them up, just think about that, you know? Trump being president is a nesnigva, because everybody hated the man, which, of course, they still do. I explained that why and so forth. <clears throat> so from that time on, this is what's been happening. And I gave a show a long time ago, Two and a half years ago, the concept of the tetrad, I don't know if you remember that, the blood moon, you know, if you remember that, you guys remember that? I remember. Uh, and, I, and I gave a shia, it was uh, two and a half years ago, what is a tetrad? There's a thing called a blood moon, uh, uh, blood moon, yeah, blood moon is when the moon turns red. Not totally red, but it's like orange, okay, that's a real, very rare event, you see, but it happens. But when a blood moon occurs, and I said this, right? When it occurs four times in a row, and not only does it occur four times in a row, that's called a tetrad, four times, but it occurred, I think it was in the first year, it was 2014 or 15, it occurred, the moon, you know, the new moon, that's when it occurs, blood moon it occurred the first plan of Pesach, the second moon occurred, second blood moon occurred, the first plan of Sukkot. Then the third blood moon occurred the next Pesach, and the fourth one occurred the next Sukkot. That means every Yontif had a blood moon four times. Uh, that only occurs once in 500 years. Uh, the first time it occurred was in 1992. What happened in 1992? Columbus set sail for America. Remember, the Jews were expelled? But then. What uh, for, 40- Right? You said 1992. I said, 992? Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? It means I'm tired. <laughs> uh, one, and that's you know, a redemption, beginning of redemption plus one, because the, the Jews were experiencing tremendous persecutions in Europe. So when he set sail in 1492, Columbus, right, for America, America accepted them. So that's the beginning of the end of the exile. And in 1492, there was a tetrad. And there was a, there was a redemptive process. The next one happened in 1948 state of israel right the next one happened in
1: 1967
0: what was that jerusalem right and the next one the fourth one happened two years ago and i gave a shit and i said this is the time this time because every time a template happens on the yom toben of pesach Sukkot, pesach and Sukkot." That's the, it's not just that happens, a blood moon happens, and that it happens four times in a row. But it happens on Yotif. You see? And I said that this is also the sign that God is telling us, here comes the redemption. And lo and behold, right after that, Trump is elected, right? Jerusalem becomes the capital, right? Trump goes to the wall, goes, puts a critical in, right? He refrees Rubashkin, he stands up for the UN takes away 285 million dollars, because of the fact that they're against Israel, you see? Now he wants to defund UNRWA, right? He's taking money, $65 million, away from Abbas. I mean, it's like, where, where are, are we in Alice in Wonderland? Like, where are we? This doesn't make sense. You know, you know it's like, you know, if I ever see Trump, if I ever see him, I'm gonna say, when are you gonna become Jewish?
1: <laughs> I
0: mean, what you, you know, you're, you're doing exactly um, what really, and that's really what is. He's a messianic figure, which means that, and I mentioned that, he's a messianic figure for the Jewish people, you see. Of course he's not the Mashiach, because he's a guy, But he is a figure in Aesov. you see. He's Esau, the reincarnation in certain, not of Esau, but of Antoninus. In any case, and that was the perfect relationship that Esau and, and Rebbe had, which I mentioned the last year. Uh, and that's what's happening. But it happened with the tetrad. And somebody just told me, and I, I haven't checked this out, that this Tubishvat, and Tubishvat is always a full moon, that the moon is going to go into what it does. The 31st of January. It's supposed to be what? It's on the 31st of January. This Wednesday. This Wednesday. Which is Tubishvat? Yeah. The following is supposed to happen to the moon a blood moon? Yeah. A large moon? A super moon? Super moon. Am I right? Yes. Yeah, so a super moon? Because, because the moon is going to be closest. Then the next thing, a blue moon, a blue moon and I think there's a fourth thing? A lunar eclipse. A lunar eclipse, yeah. That happens once one. what did that happen 180 years? 150 years. 150 years ago. And it's happened to Beshwar. Remember, the sign of the Jew is the moon. All of these astounding events in one shot happening to the moon on Beshwar, which is the end of the Shlita of the domination of Esau. Because Esau is doing tshuva, right? What's going to happen on Tu See, <laughs> we already see what's happening in the Tetrad that happened a couple of years ago. That all, every every time an event happens, it's always what? It's always an acceleration or part of a Messianic process. Like it's hard to believe, you see. Uh, and now with Tu like I said, the the premiers of Tu is what? Is that it ends the dominion of Edom? in many ways, see, because Tevis is their month, Shvat is the beginning of the end, tubashvat ends it, and what takes over is Ben Yosef, Adar, and then Nisan, which is David, or Ben you know? So, at the way things are going, the rapidity is incredible, you see. So we don't even know what's going to be. Uh, but when you have to do, you have to add other things to the mix, as they say. <laughs> Israel is rising in stature to the nations of the world. We see that. We think about that. The Holocaust ended in 1945. Israel was at the nadir of their stature. Everybody, what, they they were being butchered by everybody, sent away, right, and and, and so on, and killed by Hitler and and so on, right? Uh, So how is it possible that, what, in about 70 years, Israel is now one of the greatest nations on earth, and everybody knows that. They are world leaders. I mean, this is eight million people. And the world has over what? Seven and a half billion people? Israel is not even one quarter of one percent of the world's population. Yet they have risen in stature enormously. Uh, They are world leaders, right? In agriculture, in medicine, water conservation. You see, in in so many areas of science, in cybersecurity, computers. It's astonishing, and everybody's running to buy products of Israel, you see. And everybody wants to become their friend. And America will become very prosperous because America is now, of course Trump, shows tremendous prestige to Israel and everybody's gonna wanna talk to Israel to, in order to curry favor with America. We are watching something that has never happened in Jewish history, certainly for 2,000 years. And what is happening, each of them has to be understood as a miracle. The problem is, if you see 15 miracles in one shot, You don't believe any of them are a miracle. This is the problem. Even miracles become boring. (laughs) Think about that, you know? And this is the problem. Miracles are happening on a daily basis, and after a while they become, what else is new? You know, ho-hum, what else is new? Uh, But each one is something that never happened before. I mean, just the story of India. you ever hear like that? For what, for a prime minister that trades with India? So you got five miles of Indians? hundreds of thousands of Indians for what? You see, this is what's happening. Uh, and therefore, to us what it means is the redemption is happening, you see. And the whole concept of Trump, which really in many ways started, or actually started before that on. this is really what the idea is. Uh, so certainly you should look forward to what's about to happen. And it's going to continue because it, does, it seems to be nonstop. <coughs> you see, and I had mentioned the Gematria, which I'll mention again, you know, and it's it's an incredible Gematria. I mentioned that uh, when, God, when the Banshem spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu, by the, by the snap, by the Bernie bush, he said, the word he said was, I have surely remembered. And I mentioned that there are two concepts of redemption. One is when the Mashiach, when Yosef, the real Mashiach is free from his prison, without getting into that, from the, the, that which obstacles. And the second is, that's called the Pekidah. And the second thing is called the Zechira, where the Shechina, the Divine <clears throat> Presence, is removed from its goddess because God restrains himself, and that means God now enters the world completely different. So there's the Pekidah, which has been Yosef, and there's the Zechira, which has been David. Fine, okay. <clears throat> And God uses the word (coughs) in Moshe Rabbeinu, you see. In fact, the one who really used that Moshe when he came to Egypt, so they didn't know if Moshe Rabbeinu was the Mashiach. Uh, So they went to Serech Basasha, who was the daughter of Yagod, and he blessed that she should have eternal life, and she's one of the few people that entered heaven alive. Uh, So they went to her and they said to her, how do we know Moshe Rabbeinu is the guy, the goya? So so she said, (coughs) if he uses the expression POKO which is the Pekita. You know, it's God has surely remembered you. So God used the expression, I have surely remembered. The Gematria, the numerical value of pocket Hippokaditi is 778. And what is this year? 778. But, here's the problem. Every year, every millennium has a 778, right? A 1,778? 2,778, right? So how do we know it means 5,778? <coughs> and the answer is... <coughs> because the word pokhoid has a vowel Pokhoid. But the vowel is not written. It's sounded. So it's called... It's not a sieve, but it's a crate. So the, if it's not written, you don't count it as part of the gematria. But since you, it's, you read it, Pokoid, right, then it has to be uh, what's called reckoned in with the concept of the message. And Pokoid, what's read is a Vav. A Vav is six, which means a sixth millennium, which is 5,000. So the Pokoid Pokodati is 5,778. That's the exact gematria of that word which God used when he talked to Meshach Now, does that mean this is the year?
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just take a look at what's happening. You know? you know. If you're from Mississippi, you know what they say in Mississippi? Show me, Missouri. Missouri. Show me, right? Show me. uh, It's a non-stop redemption process that we can't. It doesn't even stop, you see. So let's hope that that come up here, and and it's really, in many ways, you know, everybody's been trying to figure out <coughs> when is Mashiach coming for thousands of years. There's always guys trying to figure out when is Mashiach coming, right? Uh, they look at Daniel, Daniel, right? You know, <coughs> wouldn't it be strange <coughs> an incredible uh, really a sense of humor that the year that he comes, which means the freedom of the Mashiach and Yosef, right? Right? Is in the very words that indicate his freedom. Right? So, God will say, Hey, I never hid it. I already had it. It's in the, in the word pocket which means the redemption itself. Just add up the mafia. You see? But in any case, this is what we are seeing. And Tuba is very important because it is the end of the ability of the nation that persecuted Jews to continue to persecute them at that time. And that's when the, the reign of Ben Yosef comes in. Then you have Ben Yosef. Then you have Mishiach Ben Dovit, right? Then you have the redemption, mantra, which, of course, is the spiritual redemption itself, and so on. What do we do? <clears throat> what we have to do is very careful. And I believe what the B'vodashim is trying to tell everybody. Why is God doing this? <clears throat> because what the B'vodashim is trying to do, as what he always does, is a tremendous bar chesed, incomprehensible mercy and kindness. The B'vodashim doesn't, just, just, doesn't want to bring the Mashiach, and everybody's going to faint. Why? It's not only going to faint at this guy, but they're going to faint and say, Hey, why didn't you tell me before this? I would have repented. <laughs> right? I would have repented. You know, how do you leave me in the dark like this? Uh, you see, <clears throat> so the bosham, that's, that's the reckoning. So God says, Of course they're right. Uh, you know, I'm about to bring the end of mankind, right? The beginning of Oedim Hapo, and I didn't warn them. Of course I warned them in the terror, right? But I don't really warn them. I'm gonna want them how because I'm gonna make miracle after miracle occur and for those people who really want to change they will say this doesn't make sense I must change you see so that's why it's very important to think about these ideas and that's actually one of the reasons why I try to spread these ideas because really <laughs> these ideas should be concealed really uh, uh, because it's a, when you're revealing ideas like this, the meaning of current events and so on, really they should be concealed. Because then there are always prosecutions by the sun. Uh, But I feel it's a mitzvah to reveal all this. Why? Because to wake people up, to do tshuva. Because I'm telling you, that's what people are going to say. It's not only to say, wow, the world is over, it's over. They're going to say, why didn't you tell me? That's what they're gonna say. And that's gonna be a devastating emotion that people are gonna feel. That they didn't know that the end was here, right? And they didn't do tshuva. You know, in a certain way, it's not fair. It's true they could've done for thousands of years. But this type of event needs a warning. It needs to alert people what's about to happen. And I believe that's the idea of what the Russian is trying to do because he's really trying to shake up mankind. In any case so let's hope that, uh, that uh, this year would be the year and that but you have to remember one thing the main idea of redemption is not political it's not that Israel the exile ends where the Jews are no longer persecuted you see or the Jews are not the top trading partner in the world that's not the redemption uh, the redemption is a return to God it's an understanding that spirituality is the real Reality, You see, it's the concept that Torah is the real document of reality. That Torah is the real gift that the Jewish people have. And that the purpose of a Jew is to become spiritual. It's really the purpose of the whole world. But certainly to the Jew, that's what has to change. Not the political realities. That will change. and That's happening now. But there's something missing. What is missing is the rise in consciousness of the Jew, that the Torah is the path toward God. That's still missing, because the Jews are still leaving Judaism. Uh, and something will happen with that will change. <laughs> something will happen which will bring a tremendous rise in spiritual consciousness, because that's what God in the end wants. That's the main message that God wants. It's not the political freedom. It is the spiritual awakening of God's people. Thank you. Questions. Well, uh, one thing, when you that, uh, what was that? You mentioned
2: yeah. that the problem of Asof was arrogance, and Ben's yes. mentioned his humility. Yes. It was exactly. He was defending Israel at the provocation of the representatives of Yishmael who were just being ejected from the Knesset. That's when he said it.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's when they yeah, yeah. were
2: holding up their signs. Jerusalem is the capital, eternal capital of Palestine. <laughs> yeah. well oh, that's what they threw him. Out. And
0: they threw him out. Yeah. They knew that they were going to get thrown out, and they knew also that would
2: make Israel look bad. Yeah. And all these Arabs get Of course. Of so Pence turned it upside down and said, "Wow, I'm humble uh-huh. to see this expression of Israeli democracy." Okay. And a second thing is that um, maybe you know this. I mean, people have said that the. The holy people of India are known as Brahmin, so they say to come from Avra. You know, uh, and Saraswati you, uh, is a goddess. I have it written here,
0: yeah. but I overlook it. Uh, I you know, that. I'm Saras- thanks. thanks. Is I gotta got say uh, this. Uh, what, is right. a, what is a uh, Hindu priest called? Uh, right? It's, it's a, called a Brahmin. It's it's right? A caste, Why? It's a caste. It's
1: a caste. A caste. It's
0: a whole caste. They know. If you put an A in front of Brahmin, it is um, a Brahmin. And Saraswati is one
2: of the main goddesses. Who? Saraswati. Saraswati? One of the main values is also education and so on. And of course they
0: have a mother. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that go on in India that really smack of Judaism. And that's why, because they're the to. it. Thank you for reminding me. I have it written down, but I almost forgot, you know. Yeah, go ahead. I listened to your three lessons on this issue. My what? I to the last three lessons about. Three. A oh, okay. And tonight you spoke particularly of Galvan, Tavan. yes. And fraud. And who? Fraud. Fraud. So, fraud, we you know? No? Yes. <coughs> what do you want to say? It's Christianity. Fraud is Christianity, I said that. But we haven't yet <coughs> solved this problem. This part of the Sahel is still. <coughs> you mean Europe? No, Christianity. Catholicism <clears throat> still to be clean needs a We passed so much through Christianity; we suffered so much. But well, I don't see what you're saying. I think that there is missing yeah? the tshuva by Christianity. Well, <clears throat> Christian. Well, what you're saying is interesting. However, you have to remember one thing: <clears throat> Christianity, the tshuva of Christianity, is when it disappears. A nation does tshuva, not a religion. What, what I mean, in other words, the, the concept of tshuva of Christianity is what? When it says we were wrong, there is no yeshu and so on. There is no trinity. There's only the God of Israel, and there is his Torah. You see? So it's, what you're saying is, is not correct. A religion doesn't do tshuva, it disappears. A nation okay. can do tshuva. Okay. And that's what is doing. So we're still waiting for the disappearance of... It is disappearing. You know, in Europe it's disappearing. Uh, People don't... 90% of the people in Europe don't go to church. I I come from Italy. Okay. And I know how powerful... Catholicism is not not only in Italy. Yeah. All over Europe. All over France. But the attendance at the church in Europe is 10%. The only ones who see the churches of Europe are the
1: tourists.
0: 90% of Europe don't go to church anymore. That's the beginning of the disappearance, you see? It takes time, slow, but it is disappearing, yeah. <clears throat> and not only that, but the scandal of the Catholic Church, you remember the scandal, that has done enormous harm to the whole belief of the priests and so on. What you're looking at, the devotion is slowly taking them out because he wants to change, he wants to bring the true religion, which is, of course, the Torah, the Jewish people, as the Misaken. And that's what it says in the Navi, that in the end of time, Based philo, my house will be a prayer for all nations. And guess what? They'll be praying to God, not to every other religion. You see that? That will happen. Yeah. But the truth of a religion is its annihilation, its disappearance. That's the difference. Got it. <coughs> so then anyway, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, just to uh, clarify, because uh, last time I heard you say the same thing that <laughs> people hate Trump. You, may, you said that before yeah, yeah. in your, in your, yeah, in your sure. yeah. Uh But really, the majority of people in the United States, they love Trump. And it's the mainstream media yeah. that hate yeah. The, yeah. To clarify, yeah. the mainstream media, which is owned by the leftist liberals, yeah. but they hate Trump. Yeah, okay. But not the majority of the people of the United States because well, they, they it, love Trump it, Okay, okay. It's It's, it's hard call to call know because his approval rating is 40%. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I also heard in another issue that in, in the time of Yosef, yes. all the things that uh, he was allowed, Pharaoh did who believed uh, immediately in his explanations of the dreams and when he <clears> was allowed <throat> to bring his parents and so that this time of Pharaoh also were from the children of Abraham.
0: These...
1: That the, this was the... The... His... His... his, his, his Ixos. Ixos. Yes. In the Ixos. A, yeah, the that's Ixos.
0: what they think. They don't really know. Because oh, that's okay. what it means. So. Because it was
1: abnormal, all the things that were allowed. Mm.
0: Uh, he was... Uh, he was allowed to bring his, his parents. Oh. He was called to explain the dreams. Yeah, okay. And, and, but... Uh, and Paro believed them. Over, over his own. Uh, okay, I'm not because clear there was what I'm saying. Yeah. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, quick question for you. You mentioned that um, that the majority of Jews, especially if you've been in America lately, um, are uh, not um, into into Torah, right now, there there. Yeah, a, exactly. there's a, Yeah, a, unfortunately, um, a secularization of the Jewish people yes. in America inter intermarries a whole bit. Yes. And um, I'm wondering what role and like why Hashem and what the timing is between some of these miracles of messianic miracles and at the same at the same time this sort of alienation and I'm I'm concerned about the concept that unless we have unity, we we're, we're not going to be able to reach that point of messianic. Um,
0: no, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. The messianic progress that is happening now is not akhishana. it's beitoy. There is a time that the Mashiach must come, no matter what. God swore. What we are witnessing is not that the Jews are bringing the Mashiach because of merit. That's called achishano. That, that I will hasten it. What God is, in other words, what we are witnessing is beitoy. the kind of tragedy you know. It could come, yes, and it, it could. That's the whole cost. It's called but no, it's something okay It's OK. Yeah, that.
1: go ahead. I was at the coastal the other day yeah. in Germany, and um, you know, you're talking about how it will become a house for all peoples. And yes. It's incredible. All peoples are coming <laughs> already.
0: And yeah. The
1: girl came up next. You week. know the
0: tourist rate of Israel. Mm-hmm. The, the, the last year, uh, two thousand and ten, it broke the record. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think three and a half million people. Remember, Israel only has eight. Three and a half million people were tourists, right? And they predict, they predict that I think in 10 years or something like that, 10 million tourists, more than the people of the state. That means what's happening now is, all of a sudden, everybody wants to go to Israel. You know, Israel is becoming the in place. And, and that's why they're building another terminal in Ben Gurion. But listen to what happened. A girl came up
1: next to me. <clears throat> yeah, she was dominating, you know, very with her heart, and she was dominating out loud. She was making very clear, I could hear her everywhere. Yeah, she was a Christian, but she was saying, I'm dominating to you, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and yeah. Jacob. I believe in you. But she ended her prayer with, you know, Yeshua's name. Yeah, but yeah. she recognized that the God of Israel. Is her guide. Yeah. She's
0: not there yet, <clears throat> but she's, I'm telling you, yeah. I, I wanted to grab yeah. her and say, you know, <laughs> let me take yeah. well, you to some <clears throat> well. I think what's happened, a lot of Christians are coming to the realization. It's, it's not like they're disowning the issue, but I think he's becoming much less popular. <laughs> I think they realize, you know, in the end, yeah. you know, what, what do you mean the Son of God? Give me a break. It's God. You know, you know what I'm saying? God controls the universe. Not Yeshu, even if they think he's the Son of God, you know. So I also I get the feeling that many Christians are now turning to God. They still mention Yeshu, because that's, the Trinity is obviously a very important part. But, but he's not as popular as he used to be. They right. use that word. Wait, yes, God. It. <coughs> it's so exciting, Rabbi. Thank you to hear your passion about this first uh, speech. Uh, like it is written in the heaven for our, you know, adv- 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 Yes. but we know that we written by staff. So who wrote the Pence speech? Who wrote it? Right. Uh, well, there's an article in the paper that said Jonathan Sachs, uh, he used to be the chief rabbi of England. He was very significant. I don't know if he wrote the whole thing, but uh, he was very significant. But I want to tell you something. I don't really care who wrote it. Pence had to agree. Yeah. And I want to tell you something, it's not Pence who had to agree, it's his boss, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> Pence can't say something the Trump says, excuse me, what are you doing, you know. So really, Pence is speaking in the name of Trump, right. And they both read the speech, they had to agree to it, and you know, when Pence said, Sheikh, you, know, you know, either Trump fainted, <laughs> or Trump said, right on. I mean, it's one or the other, you know. So the main, but. What, so the main yeah, notice, that's the key. I don't know if you wrote it, but they agreed that this incredible speech is going to be read and become historical. This is a historical speech. Uh, what? did an article tell you that there's that. The what? Hence, behind there's an ulterior motive like that. There's, there's the Jews will be successful and everything because they will be the second coming of the. You know, I want to tell you something, you know. <laughs> uh, second coming. You know, you know. I don't really care what his motive is. There are clearly evangelicals whose money, and evangelicals. There's a lot of them that give money to Israel. Yeah, so they have their motive because you know because they. Case you know. i something funny, right? The Pope went to the council. Remember, Pope was in two thousand. He went to create the council, right? Why did he go to the Cursor then? No pope has ever visited the Cursor. Because it's a terrible admission, you see? Because the Christians have a big problem. Because if you look at the New Testament, which I hope you don't, but if you look at the New Testament, it clearly indicates that Yeshu said, Jesus said, you know, that I am going to come, you know, the kingdom of heaven will arrive now. He was clearly talking in his time. You probably verify that. see so they have a they have a big problem wait a minute he never came in his time he hasn't come for 2000 years there's a problem here where is this guy all right it's a big problem now this was so the they they think that well the millennium the millennium is a propitious time for him to come so now we're entering 2000 right the guy's not around for 2000 years and in the new testament it clearly says that he's going to come then the kingdom of heaven is in your lifetime and he says that you will see the kingdom of heaven so this is a big problem for christianity where is he you see now the real question is they're right it is a problem where is he and you know what the answer is because he's dead (laughs) well it's a simple answer to this but i believe the pope realized that he thought wait a minute i know why he's not coming because we overdid it to the jews because even they admit that the Jews were the people of the book. The Jews are the chosen people. They admit that, you see? Except they believe what's called replacement theory, right? Or theology. Is that God replaced the Jews for the Christians because the Jews didn't accept him and they did. Fine, OK. Uh, so, but, so why isn't he here? So I believe, that this is my belief, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm right, OK? <laughs> is that this, was uh, this bothers Catholics, uh, Christians. So he said like this, I believe the reason why we did it, why he's not here, is because we overdid it. We killed, really, the children of God. Okay, so he replaced them, right? But how do you go kill my kids like that? We butchered them for 2,000 years. So he came up with an incredible solution. I'm going to go to the castle. I'm going to go to the wall and I will ask forgiveness. And that's what he did. You see, I will ask forgiveness for killing the Jews for 2,000 years. So he said, oh, right? It, 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 that, that's why he did it. Not because he he wanted, you know, because the cursor. Uh, because he understands that the God is mad at them. So he's not letting his son come back. You see? So that's why he went to the cursor. To beg God forgiveness that we killed too many Jews, we had too much pleasure, etc. etc. You see? <clears throat> did he come back? Of course not. Because he's dead. But you know, but that's why he went to the cursor. You see, so of course they have a motive. Why, you know? But the idea is with and without their motive. In the end, he's saying, "May God bless the Jewish people." (laughs) You know, he's not saying, "May God bring Jesus back." Not saying that. He's saying, "Bless the Jewish people," and 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 he's sincere. I, I I believe that that that's what he's really saying. He really believes in the God of Israel, the greatness and the uniqueness and the singularity of the Jewish people, you see? And he, and he says it, you know? So why should I attribute a secondary motive or an internal, an ulterior motive to Pence? Uh, why should I do that, you know? He, in no way, he indicates completely the greatness of God, the Jewish people, over and over again. And he says things which are unheard of for anybody ever to say, you know? Uh, so I, I I believe this man is of pure heart. In fact, I believe he's a reincarnation of somebody who was an Oyviv Israel. And you can think about who, uh, you know, because it's a reward for Pence, The governor of Indiana. Now he's the president. I believe he's a reincarnation. What was that? Vice Well, he was the governor of Indiana. Well, now he's vice yeah, president. president. I know. President. What the president? president. president. Oh, No, <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I believe that it's, uh, the, what the Burjah did is, he picked somebody a long time ago who's an Oivisro, who loves the Jews, and who helped the Jews enormously. You see? And God said, I will send you back to finish your job. That's the reward of Pence. Who he is, that's conjecture, and so on. Trump is easy to figure out, because he's the equivalent of a Roman emperor. A vice president is more difficult. He could be, as some people say, Kyrish, Cyrus, was very good friends with Shlomo and Melech. But be, be that as it may, he is clearly somebody like that. And it's he's being rewarded and asked to finish the job of You Yisrael. Himself. So, you know, I'm not going to impute to him alternative motives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take that face value. Yeah. Also, as far as the Moshiach
1: process. What was that? As far as the Could you speak louder? As far as the Bashir process, they say there should be no... No more shibud Mafia. So once, like Russia was like opened up, no more no more shibud No yeah. more Jews are like yeah. refugees, mm-hmm. I and mean, all just you know go where they need to go. Yes, so yeah. the You know, if you
0: if you if you compile a list of things that are happening today, right? You, you cannot but know that the Mashiach is around the corner. Think about that. One, the existence of the Jews is beyond belief. How can a nation continue to exist when they are 2,000 years in exile? Tolstoy and Mark Twain held that's the proof uh, that the God of the Jews exists, because it's impossible. Not only they existed for 2,000 years, right? But they existed in exile. No country, no language, right? And and they're among Christians, other nations. So that's the first proof, is the existence of the Jew. The second incredible thing, right, is what's called the importance of the Jew. You know, I, I went to, there was a scene where a Japanese guy went over to a Jewish person and he said, you know, I hear about Israel, where is it on the map? So, right, so they brought a map and they, the guy pointed to this little dot <laughs> in the map. Have you ever looked at Israel in the map of the world? Like, what is that? Right, it's almost like a memory of a country. I'm saying, so the Japanese guy told the Jewish guy, you're lying to me. He says, well, I'm not lying, this is Israel. He says, it's impossible. How can a company that size be on the mind of everybody every day? Uh, It's impossible, and he's right. Because the Jews live by miracles, Uh, you see. So that's the second idea. How can the Jews, you know, how can the Jews occupy world history, the minds of people, UN, I mean newspapers, they're always being talked about. Uh, The third idea is the Jews are one of the greatest contributors to progress of civilization ever known. One third, now remember, the Jewish people number less than a quarter of 1% of the world's population. And by now it's even less, right? Uh, How is it possible that this people number one third of all Nobel laureates. There is no nation in the world that can even come close to that. That means thirty-five percent of Nobel laureates, which is the cream and the crown, right, of information discovery, right? And the Jews are thirty-five uh, percent. And they, and they there's not there's not even a dogma. There's not even a, a, a parallel to that uh, in history. That's a third, thing. and it's not because of the Jews of the poor, because that's God's blessing to them. That wherever you go, you will always be involved in chokhmah, wisdom, education, because that's the Torah says, ki This is your wisdom. Okay? That's the third proof. Fourth proof. I'm just showing you. Just look at the old proofs. That it's impossible. How can a nation get back its country after two thousand years of exile? We have Israel back. It's, one of, it, it, you should know, it's historically almost unprecedented that the Jews were able to get back Israel right, after 2,000 years. And not only that, what about the resurrection of the Hebrew language? The Hebrew is a dead language for 2,000 years. How in the world, you know, you go into the street, it's all Hebrew. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? That's unheard of. No language has ever been resurrected after being dead for 2,000 years. Think about that. You ever hear anybody speak Latin? You know, and that's the Roman Empire, right? That's another miracle, you see. And then there's other miracles, you know? The fact that there is no more Gauls, really. That all the Jews, because the Goim have lost their ability, right, to persecute the Jews. That's the beginning of the end of the diaspora, the physical diaspora, not the spiritual, right? That itself is incredible. And we've been witnessing that when? You know, only in the last one. 30 years, whatever. Each one of these things is unheard of in human history. And the Jews constantly violate the rules, all the time. And how do we know that? How do we know that? Because the truth is, the Jews should never have existed. Why? How old was Avraham Vino when he gave birth to Yitzchak? 100 years. Okay. But that's not, that's a miracle, but it was a bigger Sarah. miracle? Oh. Sarah. Sarah. Right? You can tell me a 90-year-old woman is going to have a kid that is the greatest miracle in the annals of obstetrics, gynecology.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? So really, why did God do that? He didn't have to do that. He could have had Sarah give birth to Yitzchak as a young woman. Okay, 50, 40, 50, 60, right? But 90, and the answer is... Because what God was saying to the Jews, uh, you know, you exist only by miracles. Mm-hmm. Just like your birth is a miracle, guess what? Uh, the rest of your existence will only be a miracle. <coughs> that's what God's telling them, you see? Yeah. In other words, the Jews cannot exist in, nat- in naturally. They can only exist by miracle. And that's why you will find miracle after miracle after miracle. You know, and like I say, you know, it's absolutely astounding. So it's not just what's happening today, you know, but when you think about that, it's what's happening for thousands, 4,000 years that the Jews cannot. That is the greatest proof. And even Tolstoy was shocked. He himself said, the greatest proof that the relig- Jewish religion is correct, <laughs> and Mark Twain said that, is the existence of the Jew. In fact, I think Rabbi Yaakov Emden says that. The greatest of all proofs. Because no nation of antiquity, antiquity exists today. That's what Rabbi Yaakov Enden says. Only the Jews, and that's why, you know, I always get a kick. You know, I was I was in, I was in Italy. I went to the Roman Forum, right? The Roman Forum, the old Roman Empire, right? And there it is, the Ark of Titus, right? And in the Ark of Titus, there's the menorah being carried away. Uh, you know, and I looked around and I said, wow, you know, uh, this whole place, the whole Roman Forum, which is old Rome, right? is all destroyed. All destroyed. And I'm the Jew that they've been trying to destroy, uh, you know, for how many thousands of years? I look at their destruction and I laugh. You see, the guy would be in shock. The greatest is Hitler. Because he cannot believe that what he tried to eradicate and stamp out not only flourishes, right, but it's in your face. You yeah. would never believe that. Because what they all fail to understand is you cannot destroy the Jews. And Mark Twain said that. The Jew is indestructible. You know why? Because he has to do the Tikkun. That's why. He's the Masakim. You cannot destroy the builder if he's the only guy who can build your house. The only one who can bring God back is the Jew. So God must let him survive. Yeah, he may punish him, reduce his numbers, a lot of things, you know, but he cannot utterly destroy the Jew because then nobody will bring God back and therefore the entire purpose of creation will have been naught for nothing. And God will never allow that to happen. That's why there always has to be a Jew, or Jews, and so on. See, and so therefore the whole history of the Jews is miraculous. Even the birth of Yitzhak is a miracle. And of course Avram Avinu, you remember, they threw him into the furnace, right? How did he get out of the furnace? You see, so Avram Avinu is a miracle. You can't survive a furnace. That furnace must have been 1,500 degrees, and he walked in and he walked out. You see, Uh, so the founders of Judaism is all miracle. Jews should not be; it is impossible. Yet they are alive; they are vibrant. Guess what? They're back again, and they're climbing to the top. It's astounding. You know. Last question. Some
2: people, of course, have
0: called Germany. Bullet. Yes, And uh, <coughs> I have. Okay,
2: it's, it's very ironic that um, there's a far right-wing party now in Germany, Alternative for Deutschland, they're very anti-Islamic immigration, and they say yeah. Islam as a, as a religion has no place in, in German culture. Yes. Uh, and one of their leading members just converted to Islam, which at least is one level up in monotheism. <laughs> <laughs> one three one days one. ago, three days ago, one of the main leaders of that party converted to Islam.
0: Yeah, so therefore, what's the problem? So concept?
2: I'm saying it's
0: like Amolek is moving up. At least in monarchy isn't coming, maybe towards it. Came uh, well, in Came? Oh, moly? Look, there is an Amolek, but it's uh, a is really uh, it's it's a it's a belief system, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know. A is more than just Germany, you know. I don't know if you know, but Europe is basically German. It's all German. France, Gaul in the old days was German. Uh, the whole England is German. In fact, I hate to say this, but Queen Elizabeth is German. She doesn't advertise that, but she comes from the House of Windsor, right? And that was German. Of course, they'll never advertise that, because what? You mean the, the, the Queen of England is a German? No, they are. The origins of the royalty is German.
2: The Israelis call all us English-speaking people in Israel Anglo-Saxons. The what? Anglo-Saxons. Israelis call us Anglo-Saxons,
0: yeah. the Jews in Israel. Anglo-Saxons, yeah. Well, Anglo-Saxons, yeah. Uh, but anyway, this is what you have to think about. It's not today. The history of the Jew is miraculous, from beginning to end. That's really the whole story. And that's why, since we are miraculous, we will survive everybody, and in the end we will bring the redemption. Because if it's a miracle, what's the problem? What do you have to worry about? It's all a miracle anyway. And guess what? A miracle has no limitations. That's why it's a miracle. Okay, thank you you. Uh, all.